Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Across the river from Kentucky, we're in Cincinnati, Ohio, for a 10 seed and a 2 seed in the throwback league. The higher ranked 76 Reds hosting the underdog 79 Baltimore Orioles. Josh Lewin with you on a sultry summer night. We had some rain earlier in the day, so there's water stains on the AstroTurf, but things are clearing out. And we should be hearing that play ball call in just about 15 minutes. If you're new to the throwback league, it's fun. World Series champions from 1974 through 2006. Handful of runners up. We seed them, we bracket them, we play the games. This week, Pat Zachary, the Reds Rookie of the Year, takes the mound against Orioles right-handed curveball artist Steve Stone. He's got to slow down the powerful big red machine here tonight. There's 76 Reds previewed off the top by our Hall of Fame analyst John Miller right now. Sparky Addison, one of the great managers of all time, and one of the earliest guys who understood about getting the most out of your players, number one, but also the relationship with the press, with the media. And I think he became a model for future managers, and this is how it's done. This is what the ball club needs from you. And he had a great group of talent, which he understood implicitly. Uh, he used to have a deal with Joe Morgan that... He had signs for everybody, but never for Joe because he always said, and he, and he said this publicly, Joe knows uh, when we need a hit and run. Joe knows when we need a steal. Uh, Joe knows when we need to play the infield in. And I just let Joe make all those uh, calls. Well, Joe kind of appreciated that. And everybody else in the team appreciated it, too, because they said, this guy understands who we are. So uh, uh, I always thought Sparky was one of the great motivators and it kind of gets lost. People said at the time, wow, Sparky is just a push-button manager. He's got it all. Just don't screw it up. And yet uh, the guys who were there realized that Sparky was a key and probably underappreciated, even though he's in the Hall of Fame, for what he brought to the table for those great Reds teams. Thanks, John. We'll get back to those red legs post-haste. But let's remind you first about the visitors, Earl Weaver's 79 Orioles, who actually finished first or second in the AL East. 10 of 11 seasons from 73 through 83. 78, the only exception when they finished fourth, despite winning 90 games. So they were hungry in 79. But look at the big black and orange picture. After winning division titles and losing in the playoffs in 73 and 74, the O's actually began to retool a bit. 10-player trade with the Yankees in 76. Got him Scott McGregor, Tiffy Martinez, and Rick Dempsey. And the farm system products like Mike Flanagan, Dennis Martinez, Rich Dower, Eddie Murray, 
all of them in just their third or fourth seasons in the majors. And you're talking about veteran holdovers, Jim Palmer, Doug DeSensei, Lee May, The Blade, Mark Belandra, Al Bumbry, Ken Singleton. And you bring in Gary Renicki, Don Stanhouse, veterans like Pat Kelly, Terry Crowley. Earl Weaver had what he liked to call deep depth on the bench. And there was room for a rookie like Sammy Stewart, Tim Stoddard on the pitching staff. So things were already kind of a clicking into gear for, well, everybody, but specifically Mike Flanagan, who won the Cy Young Award in 79. He had finished with a 23-9 record, led the league in wins. Uh, Rick Dempsey said he was just amazing. You couldn't score off him. He grinded out. You couldn't take him out of the game. He just kept trucking out of the dugout inning after inning. He threw 140 pitchers or more in a game several times. He had five different pitches, and he knew when to throw each of them to make the most effective. So with Flanagan at the top of his game, what else around baseball in 79? Let's give you the broad picture here. There was an umpire strike that was settled in the middle of May. Uh, Dave Kingman had a three-home run game. Mike Schmidt hit a couple of home runs in a 23-22 game at Wrigley between the Cubs and Phillies May 17th. Go ahead to August 6th. That was a sad day. The entire Yankees team was in Canton, Ohio for the captain, Thurman Munson's funeral. He had crashed his plane a few days before that. And on national TV, by the way, when the Yankees got back to New York, they took on the Orioles. They beat them 5-4 at Yankee Stadium. And Bobby Mercer, one of Munson's best friends, had all the runs batted in in that game. About a week later, Lou Brock with his 3,000th career hit got that off Dennis Lamp. And then in September, Carl Yastrzemski, 3,000th career hit off the Yankees' Jim Beatty. Don Baylor was the MVP in the AL. Willie Stargell and Keith Hernandez split the honor in the National League. We mentioned Flanagan was the AL Cy Young Award winner. The fireman, Bruce Suter, for the Cubs in the National League. Rookies of the year, uh, John Castino and Alfredo Griffin split it in the American League. Castino, the third baseman for the Twins. Rick Sutcliffe for the Dodgers in the National League. Fred Lynn led the AL in batting average. Keith Hernandez in the National League. Your home run leaders, Gorman Thomas and Dave Kingman in the two leagues, respectively. Don Baylor and Dave Winfield, your RBI champs. Let's check the lineups here. Don Baylor, a former Oriole, and he's no longer watching this here as Al Bumbry leads it off in center. Doug Desensei is at third. Ken Singleton in right field finished second to Baylor in that MVP balloting. We'll talk more about that. Gary Renicki in left, Eddie Murray at first, Kiko Garcia is at short, Rich Dower at second, Rick Dempsey the catcher, and Steve Stone pitching, batting number nine. Gotta try to get it done against the 76 Reds, not only 102 regular season wins, zero postseason losses. They swept the Phillies 3-0 in the NLCS, they rolled the Yankees 4-0 in a pretty forgettable World Series. You had Don Gullett and Fred Norman pacifying the Yankees in games one and two. Gullett had come back from a midseason injury to start game one and to leave in the eighth because he twisted an ankle. And Norman just outpitched Catfish Hunter in game two. That was pretty easy, actually. Uh, game three, it was Pat Zachary for the Reds against the newly acquired Yankee Doc Ellis, who lasted only three and a third. Dan Dreesen knocked him out with a home run. Game four was delayed by rain, but the Reds were ready for that sweep. Johnny Bench's uh, two-run home run gave the Reds a 3-1 lead in the top of the ninth. A frustrated Billy Martin threw a baseball from the dugout onto the field towards the home plate umpire Bill Deegan. So he was ejected from the finish there. Bench would hit another home run. Back-to-back doubles by Cesar Geronimo and Dave Concepcion made it 7-2. Blew the game open. And the Reds 
not needing to make any substitutions in the entire series. They just kept on going, kept on hitting. Thurman Munson was the only guy that really hit for the Yankees. He had 529, but all of his nine hits were singles. Johnny Bench, meantime, the other catcher, well, he would claim the MVP award. He hit 533 with a couple of home runs. 22 to 8, the Yankees were outscored by the Big Red Machine. And they were at the height of the Big Red Machine power in 76. You had the future Hall of Famers, Johnny Bench, Joe Morgan, Tony Perez, the manager Sparky Anderson, too. You had the future all-time hits leader in Pete Rose. Great supporting cast. And the only team to have a perfect postseason since the LCS was started in 1969. Joe Morgan, the National League's regular season MVP for a second straight year. Johnny Bench, we mentioned the World Series MVP. 1976, the, the National League's 100th anniversary. The Reds and a lot of the other teams adopted those pillbox-style caps. Those were, were kind of fun. Elsewhere around baseball, that bicentennial summer of 76, Thurman Munson was the MVP in the AL. We mentioned Morgan in the National League. You saw Young Award winners. It was Jim Palmer of the Orioles and Randy Jones of the Padres over there in the National League. Rookies of the year. Who can forget Mark Fidrich, the bird for the Tigers in the American League. And it was Zachary splitting it with Butch Metzger of the San Diego Padres for a National League Rookie of the Year. Again, Zachary will be on the mound for the Reds tonight. You look at that uh, 76 season elsewhere, Rick Monday snatched the American flag from the two fans that were going to set it on fire in the outfield during a game at Dodger Stadium in April. On to May at Yankee Stadium. Well, one of the ugliest on-field brawls of the decade. Lou Pinella crashed into Carlton Fisk trying to score. They started fighting at home plate. Benches cleared. Bill Lee thrown to the, to the ground there. Greg Nettles punched Lee after it looked like it was going to all settle down. And Lee suffered a separated shoulder. It was never really the same pitcher after that. In June, this was interesting in 76, just before the trade deadline, Charlie Finley contacted the Yankees and the Red Sox, proposed a trade that uh, would have had the Red Sox getting Joe Rudy, Raleigh Fingers, Vita Blue, Gene Tennis, and Sal Bando for Fred Lynn, Fisk, and some prospects. And then with the Yankees, it was going to be Vita Blue for Thurman Munson, along with either Roy White or Elliot Maddox. Finley also offered Joe Rudy for Thurman Munson straight up. None of that ever happened. Uh, what else? Let's see here. Oh, in August, uh, the White Sox took the field wearing shorts. Good job there, Bill Vec. That didn't really catch on. Uh, and in early October, as the season was ending, George Brett barely getting by his teammate Hal McCrae for the AL batting title. His blooper dropped in front of the Twins outfielder Steve Bry, skipped over his head for an inside the parker. And some believed, including McCrae, that misplay was deliberate. There were charges of, of racism in play there. Pop Culture 76. If you wanted to hear about racism, all you needed to do was turn on Archie Bunker there on All in the Family. But we'll get back to TV in a moment here. I mean, things like Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley were on, too. But Apple Computer was formed by Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. The first computer sold for $666.66. Tom Wolfe declared the 70s the me decade. VHS was released to winning the war with Betamax. Mentioned on TV, uh, what are we missing here? Six Million Dollar Man, Beretta, One Day at a Time, maybe. If you're listening to the radio in spring training, it was I Write the Songs by Barry Manilow, who actually did not write that song, strangely enough. Uh, theme from Mahogany, Do You Know Where You're Going To? Diana Ross asked that. Love Roller Coaster by the Ohio Players, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover from Paul Simon. By the World Series, 
Unfortunately, you were listening to Disco Duck by Rick Dees and his cast of idiots. Uh, if You Leave Me Now by Chicago, Rockin' Me by Steve Miller. That summer, there was a pretty riveting Olympics. Romanian gymnast Nadia Comaneci earned the first perfect tens, seven of them all together. And then rugged Bruce Jenner won the Olympic decathlon. On Saturday Night Live, John Belushi made fun of it all in a commercial for his training regimen, Little Chocolate Donuts. Wimbledon was Bjorn Borg and Chris Everett. Your NCAA football champion was Pitt. NCAA basketball champion was Indiana. And your Stanley Cup champions, Guy de Fleur and the Montreal Canadiens. All right, let's get you now to the 76-red starting lineup for Sparky. Pete Rose leads it off at third. Joe Morgan at second. Tony Perez at first. George Foster's in left. Ken Griffey Sr. in right. Johnny Bench is the catcher. Cesar Geronimo in center, Davey Concepcion the shortstop, Pat Zachary pitching and batting at number nine. The rookie with a 2.74 ERA, best ERA among the Reds' six starters. Yeah, six. Gary Nolan, Zachary, Fred Norman, Jack Billingham, Santo Alcala, and Don Gullett, who we mentioned was not healthy all year. But all those guys had at least 11 wins. So did reliever Raleigh Eastwick. So seven pitchers with at least 11 wins. That's amazing. Bullpen support, not just from Eastwick, but from Pedro Borbon, Will McEnany, and Manny Sarmiento. And for Zachary, he won game two of the NLCS, 6-2 against the Phillies. He won game three of the World Series, 6-2 against the Yankees. And he'll probably be best remembered as one of the players the Reds sent to the Mets in the infamous Midnight Massacre deal. And Zachary was actually masterful to start his first year as a Met. He beat his former team at the end of April, he finished that month 3 and 0 with a 185 ERA and Tommy Lasorda actually put him on the All-Star team but then July 24th of that year the Reds came to Shea Pete Rose had the hitting streak of 36 at that point Zachary held Rose hitless in his first 3 at bats Rose ultimately tied Tommy Holmes's NL record of 37 singled in the 7th inning soon after that Zachary was pulled and very frustrated, he went to kick a batting helmet that was sitting on the dugout steps. He missed. He kicked the step instead and was lost for the rest of the year. But to get started with the Reds, he's, uh, well, in 76, it's funny, the Reds actually had to clear room for him. They dealt starting pitcher Clay Kirby to the Expos for third baseman Bob Bailey. And Zachary was outstanding. Shut out the Dodgers in uh, May. His ERA 1.17 on Memorial Day. He ended up 14-7. and 2.74 ERA led the team in strikeouts with only 143 of them. We are ready for baseball. We mentioned it's overcast, humid, but the storms have passed through here during the day. They've moved out, and we should be good for the rest of the night. Al Bumbry, the 32-year-old left-hand batter, in and waiting for Baltimore. 285 hitters, seven home runs. He takes strike one. We are underway. Bumbry, the 1973 Rookie of the Year. And in this 79 season, his numbers a bit down, including in the postseason, just 3 out of 21 in that World Series against the Pirates. And he takes high this time. It's 1-1. One and one. Round the infield, Pete Rose at third, Concepcion at short, Morgan at second, Perez at first, Foster's in left, Geronimo in center, Griffey's in right. Of course, Johnny Bench back there catching. As the pitch sails high, it's two and one. The Orioles, who are absolutely resplendent sometimes when they go with the, the colorful uniforms, now they're keeping it.
pretty vanilla here tonight. They're going with the all gray, the orange and black trim. That cartoon bird on the hats and the batting helmets, the reds and the classic whites with the red trim. Here's the kick, here's the pitch. Swing the ground ball towards short. Concepcion a step to his left. He flings to first, there's one out. And the batter Doug DeSensei now, 230 hitter this year, that's all. 16 home runs, 61 batted in. He got off to a slow start. The Orioles did too. They were 3-8 and eight to start the year, but then won nine straight. Actually won 15 out of 16 at one point early in the year. The Orioles had a three-game lead in the AL East when they took on the Tigers in the first of a four-game series Friday, June 22nd at Memorial Stadium. As the pitch is in for a strike, it's nothing in one. Now the Orioles had won six straight at that point. Had that loud Friday night crowd on hand. The Orioles were down 5-3 in the ninth. Singleton, a one-out homer. And with two outs, Murray at first. This guy, Desensei, stepped to the plate. And he takes outside here. But what happened next was a dawning of Orioles magic. With the crowd roaring, Desensei, the game-winning home run off the Tigers reliever, Dave Tobik. And the fans listening at home to the game on their radios. They... Uh, well, they, they heard normally very placid announcer Bill O'Donnell getting pretty into it as his broadcast booth sidekick, the colorful Charlie Ekman, implored to Sensei's two-run blast to get out, get out of here. And it sure did. Pitch coming. This ball driven pretty deep. Right center field. It goes to the wall. It hits the top of the wall. Stays in play. DeSensei on his way to second base as it's played back in now. Cesar Geronimo went and hunted it down. That's a double for DeSensei. So not quite the, the home run that we were just talking about from back in Baltimore, but he's got himself a one-out, two-base hit. And it brings up Ken Singleton, the switch hitter, 295 batter. 35 home runs, 111 driven in. Now we mentioned the call of a DeSensei home run on the radio. This 79 season, the Orioles had switched from their longtime radio partner to a new top 40 music station, trying to get that younger, hipper audience on WFBR. And they did a real nice job with that. Swing and a foul by Singleton up near first, nothing in one. Well, coinciding with that change of radio station as part of that younger, hipper audience, they were creating a foothold in Section 34 back at Memorial Stadium in the upper deck. Down the right field line, those fans led by a cab driver and a cowboy hat named Wild Bill Hagee. Boy, they just brought it every night. A lot of the people that listened on the radio started showing up at the ballpark as the pitch is taken outside by Singleton 1-1. One and, one. and Singleton certainly a, a big part of all of that Oriole magic. He finished second behind Don Baylor, as we mentioned, for the MVP award. 35 home runs. He scored close to 100 runs, too, as he takes outside. Singleton, and we'll, we'll hear from him later in the broadcast, by the way. He said, I remember when we clinched the division during the clubhouse celebration, DeSensei said to Singleton, you, you know that you're going to be the MVP, right? Singleton said, I hadn't really thought about it. And he went to a banquet out in the L.A. area. Sparky Anderson introduced Singleton as the AL MVP. And he figured, oh, man, I'm not going to get it now. Sparky's never right. 
Here's the pitch. Swing and a chopper that'll get in to right field, the base hit. Doug say around third, throw coming in, a slide, he is safe at home plate, and the Orioles lead it one to nothing in the top of the first inning. The throw from Ken Griffey, a little bit up the line. Bench was able to go get it, lunging back across the plate, unable to tag Desensei in time. Singleton, by the way, able to scoot down to second base on that throw in. So, one nothing for Baltimore, and here is Gary Renicki, 261 hitter, 25 homers. And part of a very effective platoon, something Earl Weaver has always done so well, play those lefty-righty matchups. First pitch. Ooh, it hit him. Hit him in the left bicep. And Renicki, kind of flexing his fingers now, making sure he's okay. Yeah, he'll just trot on down to first. To make it two on for steady Eddie Murray, the 23-year-old switch hitter. 295 batter, 25 homers, just one RBI shy of 100. And like Renicki, an L.A. native. Inner city L.A., though, pitched to him a fastball in there for a strike. It's nothing in one. Eddie Murray, the eighth child out of 12. As often said as a kid, he didn't have to go far for a pickup baseball game. Those games were quite fierce, and his older brothers never let him win. Pitch to him is cranked, but foul down the left field line into the crowd. Murray out in front of a breaking ball. And he's now behind Zachary Owen, too. Eddie Murray out of Locke High School in L.A. Did 500 as a senior. A teammate of Ozzie Smith. Pitch here is low. They count one and two. 79 Orioles have grabbed a 1-0 lead. Kiko Garcia waiting on deck. But right now, Murray. Eight-time All-Star, World Series champion, AL Rookie of the Year. His number 33 eventually will get retired for very good reason. Pitch coming from Zachary. Swing and a miss. Down he goes. Eddie Murray with an RBI opportunity, unable to come through. So that'll be Kiko Garcia trying to keep the inning alive. 247 batter, five home runs. Yet another California guy. Certainly not much for power. 12 home runs in 12 major league seasons, finishing up eventually with the Astros and Phillies. But five of those 12 home runs right here in 79. Cal Ripken very soon will move from third to short full time. He's going to make Garcia quite expendable. Pitch is outside. It's 1-0. Now, for what it's worth, Garcia somehow homered off Mike Torres twice. Two of those 12 home runs. And he got Fergie Jenkins twice this season here in 79. But off everyone else combined ever. Eight home runs in 12 years. Pitch from Zachary. Swung on. That's hit pretty well. Back goes Geronimo in center. Still going at the track. He's there. He makes the catch. Now, Kiko does have a little bit of pop every once in a while. Took that one. Pretty close to that center field wall. The inning is over. The Orioles able to come up with one run in the inning on a couple of hits. We'll keep it here as we break in 1979. Wait till you see what they did to my car. 
With the Cordova, we went back to the drawing boards. We wanted to get the gas mileage up, but not at the expense of the style. Introducing the totally redesigned Chrysler Cordova. All the luxury you expect is here. But so is gas mileage. You can have high style and good mileage. The new Cordova proves it. I like what they've done to my car. Well, that's for something you can enjoy right now. You know, since 1963, the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf has been bringing you the finest coffees and teas from all around the world with responsibly sourced ingredients and handcrafted coffees and teas. The Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, an experience like no other. Now available for a limited time, we invite you to try their new, new Tiramisu Ice Blended Coffee. Very, very good stuff. Try the Peach Jasmine Cold Brew Tea, too. That goes down well on a hot, humid night like tonight. one nothing. the 79 Orioles on top of the 76 Reds. And Steve Stone on the mound. 11-7, 3.77 ERA this year. All five Baltimore starters, ERAs in the threes in 79. From Dennis Martinez and Jim Palmer to the Irish lefties, McGregor and Flanagan. Stone, who's not Irish, next year will win a Cy Young. This year... The modest 11 games won, 12 fewer than Flanagan. And later in the broadcast, Stoney will talk about the late Mike Flanagan with us. You know, since he's facing the Reds of 76, we should mention it was in November of 76 after a torn rotator cuff. That's when he signed as a free agent with the White Sox, a team he now broadcasts for, does that very well. He turned down offers from other teams, but eventually on to the Orioles here in 79 with that great curveball, which he'll double down on next year. In 1980, when he gets that Cy Young, he'll burn out his elbow doing it. But as he said later, one year of 25 and 7 is worth five years of 15 and 15. Pete Rose will lead it off here against Mr. Stone. 35-year-old switch hitter, the hit king. 323 batting averages here. He's got 42 doubles to go with his 10 home runs. He's the only red starter to not be in double digits for stolen bases this year, and he had nine, not none. Even utility man slash backup first baseman had come off the bench running. 14 steals for a guy like Dan Dreesen. Joe Morgan on deck leads the team with 60 stolen bases. Pitch to Rose in there for a strike. It's nothing in one. And the Orioles defensively have Bunbury in center. He's flanked by Renicky and Singleton. They're pinched in a little bit towards center. Desensei at third, Garcia at short, Dower at second. And, of course, Eddie Murray at first. Next one coming, and that is low. It's one and one. To a man who will end up winning three World Series rings, three batting titles, one MVP award, only one but also a Rookie of the Year award. Pitches outside now, two balls and a strike. 17-time National League All-Star. Now we mentioned MVP, that was in 73, but he finished top five in a bunch of other years, including here in 76. Swinging here, he fouls it right at the plate, and the count two and two. You know, Riverfront Stadium, where we are tonight, had only been open for two weeks that summer of 1970 when Rose in an all-star game was involved in that infamous home plate collision with Ray Fossey. That was a brand-new stadium when that was going on. 
Pitch to Rose is rolled up near first base, and Eddie Murray right at the bag. Just touches up. There's one down. Now the 32-year-old Joe Morgan, left-hand batter, hit 320 this year, 27 home runs. Mentioned the 60 stolen bases. He drove in 111. MVP numbers, and he was the MVP. Eyeballs and strike on the outside edge. Second straight MVP for Morgan. Outdistancing his runner-up teammate, George Foster. He'll go on to win it in 77. That'll give the Reds six MVPs in an eight-year stretch. Johnny Bench, MVP honors in 1970 and 72. Rose taking home that hardware in 73. As the pitch is high to the diminutive Morgan, it's one and one. Now, you 76 Reds led the National League in every significant offensive category. Runs scored, batting average, slugging percentage, doubles, triples, homers. Runs batted in, and yeah, stolen bases too. The pitch jams him, he pops it up over towards shortstop. Kiko Garcia under it, makes the catch. So two quick outs, 79 Orioles still leading one to nothing. And the batter, Tony Perez, another guy in his mid-30s, 34 years old, right-handed masher with 19 homers, 91 runs batted in. And following that red sweep of the Yankees in the World Series in 76, he's going to get traded to the Expos. He and Will McEnany for Woody Fryman and Dale Murray. Pitch in the dirt to him here, it's 1-0. There's that curveball from Stone. Yeah, they get rid of Tony Perez, and the big red machine started to sputter. And Sparky Anderson has said, said many times in interviews that no question Tony Perez is the leader, the heart and soul of those big red machine teams as the pitch is outside this time, 2-0. It'll be three years in Montreal for Perez, and then on to the Red Sox. Had a great year in Boston, 25 home runs, 105 batted in. Pitchers outside again, 3-0. Tony Perez has cited the Cuban-born Minnie Minoso as his boyhood idol. He's been an advocate for him for many, many years, trying to get him into the Hall of Fame. Pitch from Stone. That's low. It's ball four. So a two-out walk. Minnie Minoso, by the way, most closely associated with the White Sox, a team that Steve Stone pitched for couple of years before coming here to Baltimore. Stone also with the Giants and the Cubs. Only 107 career wins for Stone, but also with Cy Young. 25 of his 107 Major League wins in one season. Here's Foster now, 306 batter. I mentioned Stone, a former Giant and White Sox. Foster's played for those teams too, and you can add in the Mets for good measures. The pitch is in for a strike, nothing in one. Foster eventually a five-time All-Star and one of the most feared right-handed sluggers of his era. Will end up leading the National League in home runs in 77 and 78. Was the RBI leader here in 76. The kick, here's the pitch. Curveball popped in the air towards left, not too deep. Here comes Gary Renicky, pounds the glove. He makes the catch and the inning is over. Nice job by Steve Stone. And at the end of one, the 79 Orioles won, the 76 Reds nothing. Keep it here in 76 and pause for this. It's here, 
second inning, Steve Stone just got out of the inning. We mentioned he was not the best pitcher on the Orioles in 79. That was the late lefty Mike Flanagan, who left us all too soon. But uh, we asked Steve Stone for his memories, not only of the 79 season in general, but specifically, what do you think of when you think about Mike Flanagan? Well, the fact that Mike Flanagan did it with a minimum of pitches. Uh, I remember that he didn't try to dazzle anybody, but he had pinpoint control. And I remember uh, one shutout against Kansas City. He shut them out with 79 pitches. Uh, these days, pitchers are not into the fifth inning yet at 79 pitches. So it shows you that he was economical, and he was uh, he was pretty much one of those guys that um, when you looked at this stuff, you said it was pretty good, but it didn't jump out at you. But the way he used it was so strong that he was able to win the 1979 Cy Young Award. And uh, it turned out that that pitching staff that was together in 79 and 80 and for parts of 81 had five Cy Young Awards with Jim Palmer getting the lion's share. He had three of them. So I just remember in 79, I remember um, uh, Earl Weaver having a, uh, a knockdown drag out with me. Um, and telling me he was going to go to, he was going to go to three starting pitchers in September. But we had pulled away, uh, from the division by enough games where he never went to three starting pitchers. He went to five. And so I pitched in rotation the second part of the year. And of course, Flanagan was dominating everybody. And, uh, we, it's a, he was a well-deserved Cy Young Award. He was really the ace of that staff and did just a, uh, a wonderful job. And uh, I guess the greatest recollection for me was the final two games of the World Series. We were up 3-1 to one against Pittsburgh. Uh, they didn't have a pitcher to pitch the fifth game. Uh, they brought Jim Rooker out of the bullpen. Then they made it a bullpen game, which now is very fashionable, but then really wasn't. And uh, they wound up coming back to Baltimore. And McGregor and Flanagan were both set to pitch. And lefties is who you want to pitch against uh, Pittsburgh, and unfortunately um, they beat them both, and uh, we wound up we wound up being up three to one, and then losing the World Series. Thanks so much to Steve Stone for sharing that. We're going to move ahead to further action here. A scoreless second inning, still one nothing Baltimore. They would add to that in the top of the third, off of Pat Zachary. Al Bumbry leads it off with a base hit to left center, and after a lot of throws to first to keep him close, Doug Desense. Bangs into a fielder's choice. Takes over running for Bumbry. Singleton a walk. Renicky a walk to load him up. And then kind of a weird play. Eddie Murray sends one on the ground to first base. Tony Perez grabs it. Hesitates for a moment. Comes home with it. 
to Johnny Bench a little bit too late. It's a fielder's choice with the Sensei sliding in safely. Second time in the game, the Sensei was able to slide in safely right near Johnny Bench. That made it 2 nothing. Kiko Garcia struck out, but then Rich Dower pounding a single in the left. Two runs coming in, and how about that? 4 nothing lead for the visiting 1979 Orioles. The Reds threatened a bit in the bottom of the fourth inning, didn't score. Let's move to the bottom of the fifth and see what they can do. Johnny Bench at the plate. Only a 234 hitter this year, a down year. It takes a strike at the knees, the curveball from Stone. Johnny Bench, a 14-time All-Star, two-time MVP. Twice led the National League in home runs, three times in runs batted in. As he takes high now, it's one and one. And defensively, Bench, a 10-time Gold Glove Award winner. Great throwing arm, and he popularized that hinged catcher's mitt, first introduced by Randy Hundley of the Chicago Cubs. Pitch is swung on and fouled right at the plate, one and one. Johnny Bench began using that mitt after a stint on the DL back in 66, had a thumb injury on his throwing hand. And really by the turn of the decade, the hinged mitt will become standard catcher's equipment. Pitches inside to Bench, two and one. Bench has those huge hands. There's that famous photograph of him holding seven baseballs in his right hand. And Johnny Bench will block breaking balls in the dirt by scooping them with one hand instead of the more common and fundamentally proper way, the dropping to both knees and blocking the ball using the chest protector. But whatever works for Johnny Bench, you don't argue with all the gold gloves. Pitch, swung on, base hit in the right field. Played back in quickly. Ken Singleton will fire it right on in. So, as the Reds trail by four, there's something to maybe get him started. Here's Cesar Geronimo, left-hand batter hitting 307. Only a couple of home runs. And the pitch, Stone looping in a big curve for strike one, taken on the outside edge. They go back to November 29 of 1971. That's when Geronimo was involved in one of the really most significant trades in the history of the Reds. Brought in with Ed Armbruster, Jack Billingham, Dennis Menke, and of course Joe Morgan. As the pitch is low, it's one and one. That really was the trade that helped transform the Reds into the Big Red Machine. And Geronimo, winner of four straight gold gloves, 74 through 77. Great all-around defensive player. He's got the speed, he's got the range, he's got the arm. And here he's got a base hit, a single to right. Stopping at second base is Bench. It's two on, nobody out. Boy, it's another one just punched in a right field. Sending Singleton scurrying over to pick it up and get it in. So now Dave Concepcion, as a tying man, moves on deck. Davey Concepcion, right-hand batter, 281 a hitter this year. Following the steps of his childhood heroes, Chico Carasqual and Louis Aparicio, coming out of Venezuela and becoming one of the Reds' great all-time shortstops, even though he was originally signed as a pitcher. Stone in with it. It's high for ball one. Concepcion wearing that familiar number 13. And it said he originally chose that number to honor his mother, Ernestina, who was born in 1913. 
Reds will retire 13 eventually. It'll be the first time that that number will be retired in baseball. Here's the rock and the pitch. Swing and it's belted in a left field base hit. Gary Renicki's on it. He plays it back in quickly. So I have to hold bench at third. Base is loaded. Nobody out. But for the pitcher, Pat Zachary. They will not pinch hit, doesn't look like. Thought I saw Bob Bailey grab a, a helmet, but nope, they're going to go with Zachary here, who's only a 113 hitter. And after this 76 season, Pat Zachary will have a hernia operation. He was actually in the process of recovering from that when he learned that he and Butch Metzger were co-winners of Rookie of the Year. Metzger and Zachary will actually end up as teammates with the Mets a couple of years from now. Here's the pitch. Swing and a pop-up in a shallow left field. Third baseman to Sensei back. Left fielder on. Renicki with the call and the catch. Now that is suboptimal. Zachary going after it right away. But it leaves it to Pete Rose with still just one out. Pete, not a, a great big RBI guy because he's hitting top of the order these days, but he's got a chance to put up four runs batted in right here. If he can connect off fellow Ohioan Steve Stone. This is Cincinnati native against Cleveland native. The Stone Pony against Charlie Hustle. And the first pitch, a strike right down the middle. Nothing in one. Pete Rose created the head first slide to the bag. Never actually walked to first base when he walked. He ran. Ipso facto Charlie Hustle. In a couple of years, we'll have that famous run at Joe DiMaggio's 44, or the 56-game hitting streak of DiMaggio. Rose will end up with 44. One of the many capstones in a career that began in Geneva, New York. New York Penn League. Geneva, less than a couple hours from Cooperstown. Here's the pitch. Ground ball headed towards right with a dive by Eddie Murray. He's got it. He'll scramble to the bag. Touches up barely in timing at the hard-charging Rose. A run does score. Runners at second and third now, and it's four to one. But boy, if that ball had gotten through, two runs probably score. One fewer out. That's a big play by Eddie Murray. However, Steve Stone certainly not out of the woods here. Here comes Joe Morgan. You got first base open. But, well, this is, this is interesting. You got the MVP at the plate. But it's not like you can just walk Joe Morgan here, because that would load him up for Tony Perez, the RBI monster. Looks like they will pitch to Morgan, who's 0 for 1. Popped a short back in the first. He's in and waiting, flapping that left elbow as he waits. He takes ball one outside. Early in Morgan's career, he had trouble with his swing because he kept his back elbow down too low. And his teammate, Nellie Fox, also a stocky second baseman, suggested to Joe Morgan that he should flap his back arm like a chicken, keep that elbow up. And ever since, that's been the, the signature look of the at-bat for Joe Morgan, who takes outside. It's 2-0. Joe Morgan loved here in Cincinnati, but he had played 10 seasons for Houston, made the All-Star team twice then. But Harry Walker considered Joe Morgan a troublemaker. And as a result, the Astros traded him to the Reds, that big blockbuster deal we mentioned earlier with Cesar Geronimo. The pitch, ooh, big swing, foul back to the screen, it's two and one. Four, one ball game. And Joe Morgan trying to make a difference now for Cincinnati in the bottom of the fifth. 
Stone's got the sign. Now kicks and brings it. Swing, high fly ball, center field. Bunbury back over his head. It bounces up against the wall. Two runs are going to score. Joe Morgan easily in a second base. He's got a double. This is a 4-3 game. And Tony Perez will come up there as the go-ahead run now. Action will begin in the bullpen. Tippy Martinez has grabbed a baseball. Now they're finally starting to get to Steve Stone a bit here. We're in the bottom of the fifth inning. The Orioles had led 4-0, but now it is 4-3. And the pitch to Perez swung on, hoisted deep to right field. Singleton back at the warning track. He makes the catch. And the side retired. So the Reds come close to tying it or taking the lead. They stall just short. It's 4-3 to three at the end of five as Singleton makes that play. Ken Singleton almost won the MVP in the American League with maybe his best major league season in 79. He finished second right behind his good friend and former teammate Don Baylor, now of the Angels. Talk to Ken Singleton about that. Well, uh, a lot of people say that 79 was my best year. It certainly was. Home runs and runs batted in. Uh, but I had some other years that were pretty good. 77 was good. 1980 was pretty good. Uh, uh, and I just through that span of years, I, I really had some very good seasons. But 79, I guess it was augmented by the fact that we won the World Series, we got to the World Series, uh, eventually losing it. And in 78, I had had uh, elbow surgery, and at the beginning of the season, I, I couldn't hit right-handed, so my numbers were down somewhat. But over the winter, I really strengthened my, my elbow and my arm, and in 79, I, I came back with renewed vigor. I don't, I, maybe the pitchers thought they could get me out the same way, but they, they couldn't because I was that much stronger. Uh, having been a, a teammate of Don Baylor's when I first got traded to Baltimore, uh, he, he was one of the best teammates I ever had. He was really a team-first player. Uh, and you were, you're right when you say his nickname was the groove, because when he got in the groove, he could be his, the best hitter in the league. And he was fearless. He stood right on top of the plate. Uh, for a while, he held the record for being hit by pitches. And... Uh, Basically, he would just pick the ball up and throw it back to the pitcher. And he would say that uh, never let a pitcher know that he hurt you. And he, he'd just go out, go down to first base, and then steal second. So uh, <laughs> although pitchers would hit him, they were going to pay the price. And certainly in those days when you could break up double plays at second base, all middle infielders were fearful of Don Baylor because he was a former football player, and he could go down to second base and do some damage. Uh, thanks so much to Ken Singleton, who continues to be right in the middle of this game. He's going to end up drawing three walks in this game, by the way, and have an RBI and a run scored. Let's get you to what happens in the rest of this thing. 4-3 when last we left you, and the Orioles would tack on a run in the top of the sixth. If you're wondering how that happened, happy to tell you, it was just one swing. It was from Rick Dempsey. Yeah, solo home run to left center field, and uh, after... There was a little bit more of uh, a threat in that top of the sixth inning. Nothing would come of it as the Reds got Pedro Porbone to do some nice work in relief. It stayed 5-3. to three. Steve Stone, by the way, went only five innings. Tippy Martinez an inning. Tim Stoddard an inning. They got an inning out of Dave Ford. And Don Stanhouse on for the ninth to lock it up. He did. In fact, the Reds coming up with only one hit total in the final four innings of the game. That Baltimore bullpen 
was just outstanding. So, the 76 Reds, the two seed, they get knocked out. The 75 Reds have also been knocked out of this tournament. A lot of people figured those two teams might see each other head-to-head -head in the Final Four. Instead, they both get KO'd. It's the 79 Orioles who did not win a World Series. Remember, they lost to the Pirates four games to three. But in this one, it's five runs, eight hits, no errors for Baltimore. Three, six, and oh for the Reds. The 79 Orioles advance to play the 83 Orioles? The two Spider-Mans pointing their fingers at each other? That will happen in early November. That's going to be the, the matchup. But next week, how about, as we get going with the Sweet 16, a three-seed hosting a seven-seed? The 04 Red Sox, the team of idiots, up against the 74 Oakland A's. Bronson Arroyo will be on the bump for Boston. Ken Holtzman for the swing and A's. That'll be our throwback league matchup for next week. We appreciate you listening to this one. Hopefully you've already subscribed so you're downloading with ease. Do me a solid and leave a nice review here if you can do that. Uh, always appreciate those five stars. People seem to like looking at the stars, so why not? And if you want to go to the website to track the brackets and look at all the box scores, you're certainly welcome to do that, too. We're at thethrowbackleague.com. This is Josh Lewin. Sure appreciate you being with us. Again, the final from Riverfront. It was the 79 Orioles 5 and the 76 Reds 3.